Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern businesses, talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Andy Uri, and alongside me is my co-host, Pippa Sturt. Hello, Pippa. Hi, Andy. Now, with that being said, our guests this week are Guy Hayden, Managing Director, and Darren Gardner, Commercial Director of ZapTech, an innovative Norwegian manufacturer of world-leading EV charging systems. Stick that in your pipe. We're in very good company indeed. Guy and Darren, welcome to the podcast. Woohoo! Um, so I think the, the best place to start is, and I'm not sure who to choose, what the hell is ZapTech? Let's uh, have it in English, please. ZapTech are a manufacturer of electric vehicle chargers from Norway. Uh, we're relatively new to the UK. I was the first uh, employee and I started last April. Darren joined me in June and now we're building our team up. With employees be- one and two. Employees one and two. Is uh, electric vehicle charging obviously a big area of growth? Is this on residential or commercial premises? Is this, you both. know, and both? both. Yep. And, and there's lots of players in the market, Tesla itself, you know, is it, how do we differentiate or what's your, what's your edge in the market? There are a lot of players in the market. I think, I mean, Zaptec certainly is a proven Norwegian brand. We've got about 50% of the market in Norway, which is one of the biggest wow. markets in the world. that's pretty good. Is it? Norway's a very early adopter, is it? Yeah, certainly ahead of a lot of other European Despite countries. Despite the ridiculous amount of uh, natural resources it has, it's moving in electric. Very yeah. good. And he cares about this quite a lot because he has to charge his car. Yeah. I do. It's charging. Well, it's not charging outside because I was on customer service. As you do could. you have a home charger? I do have a home charger, Tesla. Sorry. Okay. You can swap that out for you. That's fine. <laughs> we should do that. It's the 500, there was a 500 pound grant, wasn't there, for home installations of uh, electric mm. chargers? Is that gone? Went down to 350. Oh. And then went? Then gone. Oh, right. Presumably okay. it doesn't work speaking of somebody who lives two floors up in a flat in the centre of London. If you've got a really big cable, it does. <laughs> okay, fine. Out the window. Yeah. yeah. Big extension fine. lead. Did you know each other before this job? Nope. No. And and did you what 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 careers do you come from? What were your like uh, what was your first proper job? My first Guy. proper job. The proper job. Yeah. Go-karts. Go-karts. Yeah, went to go-kart track. Hang on, is that a proper job? No, well, I suppose if you ask of course it's a proper job. I suppose if you're asking about my what are you career, doing selling them career history, yeah, electric charge now you could uh, get yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. they were petrol weren't they yeah. they were actually that's true they're coming, they're I had to in. redeem my sins that was it so what it was career history in a nutshell joined the navy right did you because oh. I wanted to be top hello, gun hello sailor yep wanted to be top gun got in as an <laughs> officer got medically discharged for having a peanut allergy it took a couple of years to get in for officer selection right and then I was down at Britannia which is in Dartmouth right doing doing the training did militarisation so I was in maybe four months or so and then yeah they just kind of Somebody I filled in a form a well I filled in a form I'd already declared it and I filled in a form and they put allergies peanuts and then uh, next thing I know they just dragged me out that of the was room. it the medical officer said you do realise this means you can't serve and it was like what and then then that was it so I was back home on a train before what, I knew because it because they can't they can't they can't cope with someone who could be the enemy could just flick a peanut your way <laughs> the official reason is <laughs> if you're just... on a boat if you're on a boat they can't guarantee the permanent med- medical peanuts. facility no all of no. it is guaranteed nut free as well but anyway that's another thing guaranteed not free but not they can free. surely have free. an EpiPen oh, on a boat not free not what free. the boat is guaranteed no, not free all of it is not free it's halal it's not free all the food they must have an EpiPen on a boat you'd expect Just so like... but anyway so 
back home, thought, let's Anyone's do something. Anyone trying to get out of the army, by the way. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. found out some very, very useful information. No, the there. Navy, yeah. not the army. Well, oh, either well, army you know, would be different. You know, fighting. Fighting, generally. So anyway, it was Navy, didn't end up flying, uh, then went to university, studied You abroad. can't be anybody's wingman. That's what you're saying. That's it. That's I it. mean, basically, Guy and I are like Maverick and Goose, aren't we? I did say this Sorry, would be. Which I one's did Maverick? say really which quick history. Goose? This would be but whatever. Maverick's Tom Cruise, Goose. No, I meant of them. Oh right, yeah. I know which one's Maverick. Yeah. Come on. Oh, I guess I'm. I guess guess you're Maverick. It's up to you. I mean, have you seen what Goose looks like these days? No, you might want to reconsider. I, reconsider. <laughs> I mean, I've, but Tom you Cruise. You do is really get short, that it's it? terribly homoerotic, right? <laughs> What? Yeah. Zap partic- Particularly no, when um, is it Val Kilmer who walks around in a bizarre way with his bottom out. It's, it's just the most bizarre body language. Anyway, I haven't back seen to the, the new one yet. So anyway. you, you're in the Navy, peanut allergy. In the Navy, peanut allergy. Went to university. Peanut had the, factory. Had the, oh, yeah, studied to be a peanut factory manager. Had the opportunity to study abroad. Um, went abroad in the Czech Republic. Met a girl often the story then ended up after uni moving out there wow to, you to, speak Czech to now, live with her. yeah a little bit conversational yeah that's the British version of I'll have a pint and some nuts please I think no, you no. could probably say a bit more I mean yeah I can have this I, would say, I probably yeah. have this conversation oh wow yeah, yeah. Um, probably fairly fluent I'm British people yeah. are always so shocked when another person can speak a language so is she now your wife she is yeah Oh, no, she nice. speaks better English than me, obviously, but okay. yeah. Did, so you moved you out all... there and eventually moved out there. Six it. years I was out there and then we built a language school uh, sure. together. So we built that business and sold it and then ended up in electric motorbikes uh, as a business development guy. You're not really seeing electric motorbikes on the, you're seeing all the scooters, but they're they're coming. I mean, I know you can look them up online, but you know. So in the Czech Republic, like electric vehicles are like nowhere near the UK at the moment. They're probably five years behind us, four so or five years. So less than 2%. Yeah, so I'd say Norway is maybe four or five years in front of us. Czech Republic is four or five years behind us. That's kind of what I'd say. And I lived out there and there's a cool manufacturer. I work for a company called Kuberg. They make off-road electric motorcycles. I thought that sounds a bit bit cool. And that's how I fell into the world of electric vehicles and have been here since. And then I moved back to the UK to stay in EV and I've been in charging uh, since that, with I've been in charge of in charge, charging, no, in charging, head of power, in charging. <clears throat> I've been, yeah, so yeah, I've been in the charging side. Okay, we need to do Darren. We yeah, need to do Darren quite that, Darren? quickly because I believe there's something to do with with um, mm, selling stuff. Selling stuff. Yeah, my first job was selling coke <laughs> <laughs> on street corners. <laughs> yeah, corner shops. I was hanging out, yeah, corner shops selling coke. No, no, no. I should. Caveat that heavily, shouldn't I? I was I my first job was for Coca-Cola Schweppes Beverages Limited. Okay. Hard thing to sell, I imagine that's an easy way you you know, you're not exactly having to explain the product, are you? Uh, my so my my I was 18 years old, I finished my A levels, I had no idea what to do. I actually wanted to I was a Coke dealer. <laughs> yeah. So my um, my parents so at 16 I was like, I want to go to uh, drama school, blah blah blah. Oh, you could have seen you in something on the telly. I I, I firmly believe I would have been in casualty or something. But anyway. Once. Once. (laughs) As the dead body on the 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 slab. And then my my dad in his wisdom said I should uh, go and do economics. So so I learned about demand and supply curves and stuff like that. And I uh, went and then started a degree in economics. and, And then at the point of quantitative methods, I was like, this is bullshit mm. and I reckon I can do economics 
properly by getting a job. Yeah. So I got sense. a job, which was basically selling, uh, well, part of it was selling Coca-Cola to, you know, people like Londis and that. But my best sort of product launch was Raging Fog. Is it Raging Fog? No, Raging Hog. Raging Sorry, Hog, Raging which, Hog. Raging Hog. Pork which, scratchings. Which was so, so such a great product launch. What, what was the product? It was a drink, but nobody's heard what of it. What kind I've of drink? It. Like, like a, give us a kind of... I can't remember now. It, I mean, was, it was pork scratching. What was so great drink. about the launch? They had a giant hog. It was... It was terrible. Heard, yeah. It was absolutely terrible. The, the, it must have been a Red Bull. It must have been a Red Bull. No, it's like Bovril, but pork. It, it, <laughs> it, was, it was just awful. Anyway, it was kind of just terrible. So that was that. And then I, I was part of the team that relaunched Fanta and Sprite in the UK and Tab Clear. Um, Tab, Tab Clear. Clear. Remember Tab yeah, Clear? Yeah. Wasn't it amazing that it was Coca-Cola, but it was clear? But it was clear. No, it was not amazing and I was not bothered. <laughs> so, I, I didn't have a problem that it was brown. It was like a racist thing, it? you know? Yeah, it was like... Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, well, was. It was like, oh, I don't want my Coca-Cola well, brown. Well, maybe. Like, so, me, hashtag me too, right? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I did that. And then I ended up in um recruitment industry for a long, long time. And um, there I went through too many secretaries. Sorry. <laughs> which was probably my biggest business mistake, which is one of your questions. Yeah, well, let's move on to that. What's be your biggest <laughs> cock up? Maybe the correct way of saying this, yeah. you know? Not saying that way. Probably, what happened with all these secretaries? Were they prob- defenestrated? The, recruit, the recruitment industry was fascinating. I was, I mean, to caveat it, I'm 43 now. I was 19 at the time. I, I, in, interestingly, I, we, um, my partner and I, we watched The Wolf of Wall Street last night. Classic. Brilliant film. I mean, is that time, your first time? No, second time I've oh seen it. And and the um, the recruitment industry isn't too far removed from that kind of culture. Thanks. Too much cocaine, too much shagging, too much drinking. Yeah, and it's just fucking debauchery. So what happened with the secretaries? Basically, don't mix business with pleasure is probably the... So you're going to say, don't mix your secretaries with cocaine. <laughs> no, no, I didn't do any of that, but... Um, but um, I think we need some clarity, Darren. Yeah, yeah. Cut, cut no, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly confused about what happened. And then Darren you're, you're, could think about exactly what 20, you want to say. You're, you're just... You're you know, sexy as hell. You're, you you're, 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 you're smashing f- it on the phones, you're making money, you're going out after work. Um, you're having some drinks, you're feeling like the fucking boss, um, you're hanging out with like managing partners and and big wigs of FTSE 100 companies and all of that. And and actually, you're just a minnow. Yeah. You're just a small yeah. fry doing a job, you know, and then you... You could be you, a vacuum, vacuum I, I could be anybody. I could be a vacuum, exactly. And nothing wrong with vacuum salespeople, by the way. Ultimately, what is fed is your ego. Yeah. And with this ego, you you suddenly think you've got this massive penis... Do you know what? This is the main problem that's wrong with men. What, penises? Yeah, the whole no, mine is, it... is bigger than yours thing. That's the whole thing. Well, possibly, but I think that actually the problem is ego. Yeah. Um, and um, and so with that, you know, comes a lot of fun and doing all these sorts of things. And then when it all goes wrong, then it upsets the team balance and all the usual stuff that goes with that. And, um, and that's never cool. This is a good how Very I fucked honest. up story. Yeah. I mean, it's never it's, cool, uh, is it, yeah. right? There's so. a hierarchical nature to men I guess but you're almost to me you're almost illustrating the short termism you know we're just kind of we live in the moment like you know we don't, yeah, yeah, we don't totally. really think ahead you know no. you have to explain that you know a lot of the time and apparently I mean ultimately you could be accused of being sexy but it's just hormones testosterone has a thing that it makes you feel confident you know what your decisions are it reduces anxiety it just makes you think yeah I'm cool you know and then you live in the moment kind of my last more. my last job before I was here before I was at Uri Clark 
the thing that used to drive me mad was the whole, every meeting was everybody trying to one-up each other. Mm, like exactly. everybody trying to prove that That's their deal culture. was bigger than the last person's deal and that they had more going on and they were they were more important. That it's comes from like, the boss, don't you think? That just, it's being fed down. Yeah. It's being fed down that that's what's important or that's what the boss exhausting. does. And then people copy. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got a nice culture, they you know, people wouldn't do that, you know. But it's just get them out, put them on the table, we'll measure them, we'll work out once and for all who's got the biggest penis and then we'll move on from this whole thing. The guy doing the biggest deals has the smallest penis. Yes, I probably agree with that. There might be some truth to that. You know? But the, I suppose the underlying thing is about values. And, you know, at 19, 20, 21, whenever anybody's starting out, you don't have a really a clue about red lines and what's important and what's right and what's wrong and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then... You're just you're kind sort of thrashing just about kind of, in the swimming pool. You're just, just exactly, yeah. you're just doing work, you're making money, you're going out having drinks, you know, blah, 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 and stuff happens and it's, you know, and it's not great and you make mistakes and you learn from it and you grow up. Mm. And what happens when you grow up is that you kind of go, oh, that's actually, that's my value of I'm not going to do that again or I'm not going to behave in that way or those sorts of things. It's kind of working out in life. Um, if you don't know what you want to do, you just do something and you work out what you don't want to do pretty fast. You know, just let yeah, yourself go. I think so. Uh, um, we, 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 we should, uh, and other than your peanut issues, any other giant cock-ups? <laughs> giant <laughs> cock-ups? Well, let's use a more appropriate well, phrase. Well, actually... Have you fucked anything up about the setup of this company you want to admit to your managing directors right now? Leading on from what Darren said. See, at the age Darren's talking about, I had a business. So I was I was owning and building a business and it's a different thing if you do it. With your that. wife. Yeah. So exactly. We had the business together. We were growing it. Like my whole she thing. She refused to let me get a secretary. <laughs> 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 well, it was just recruiting a load of teachers, doing a load of lessons. That's what we were doing, right? Lovely, um, lovely teachers. And it was just, uh, it was a different thing. So I didn't really have the boss, the hierarchy, the drinks, the meals out. It was just graft, right? So... The biggest thing that I found and leading on to the question, biggest fuck up, is when I went into, quote, the world of a job, not being a business owner, uh, working for working for a bad boss. That's the biggest thing I, I did. I wouldn't have changed it. And I think everybody, it's like everybody has a bad girlfriend who's mental, right? Everybody, you know, a bad boyfriend quite, is quite mental. Quite a few, yeah. Like everybody, right? But it's a, it's a rite of passage. Everybody needs to have a bad boss. And I've certainly had that. And you to look, show you what a good boss is. Yeah, because you look at this boss and I think for a while everybody's like, oh, well, the boss, I've kind of got to listen to them, do as I say, go along with what they're saying. And at some point, everybody will snap. And for some people that takes years and years. And for me, it took, you know, a year or so. I won't mention any names, but it got to a point that the way they wanted to work just didn't fit with me. Just look up his LinkedIn account and see where he worked a year. And... Yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair point. And I think actually what happens in life is you get better at spotting them too. So I would do the same with relationships. You've got to have a lot of fucked up relationships. It's exactly the point you made. And then I got to a point, it was like, probably things that girls have been doing to me for ages because we're so immature men, but it was suddenly like, Oh, if I saw anything like in the first date was really crucial and I had a couple of rules. One of the rules that on my first date, since after I've been through a divorce, I was I'm like, I'm keen Fuck. to hear this, go on. Yeah, well, was, yeah, was, was they must offer to pay the bill. I'll pay. 
But if when the bill comes, they just don't fucking move or they push it to me, which has happened to me. Agree like, to split it, right? Just they should say something like, oh, I you know, fight my do you wife want me? To pay and out. you go, no, no, it's mine. If they then say, oh, no, please, then you get into the kind of annoying back and forth and you're going to have to put your foot down as a man and then they call you a sexist. Probably that's, you know, already starting off on the wrong foot. Like the kind of me, the, the, the chivalry shouldn't be dead. I feel that the balance should be, no, 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 you know. The truth, my dad says the rule, and that I think he's right, is who invited who for dinner. If you invite someone for lunch, you invite, you're the one paying. That's in his world. Whereas we get to the end of a business thing and you do that whole like, you know, oh no, I'll get you that next That feels time. like a very business thing. Like if you, in a business scenario, invite somebody for lunch, <laughs> you pay for it, right? Yeah. I'm a, not quite not so sure about a, a I had date. a meal recently where somebody who we paid a fair bit of money to to do different things, I won't say much, um, invited us for a meal. And we were like, yeah, that sounds really good. That, yeah. And they said where it was. So I was like, yeah, I won't tell you where it was again because give too much Gavrosh. away. Yeah, so they were like, come for a meal. Great. We went there, right? And the bill came and clearly nothing was happening. Oh my God. And then so one of them goes I, to the I, toilet. I had to, I had to pay the bill. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I always pay, I will always buy my client their meals. And and in fact, the restaurants I go to regularly, it's like, they're like, what do you do? And I'll be like, well, you always, and, but I, but there's a particular client who made listeners, but he's, he's like, got to take you for lunch, you know? And they took us to a really expensive restaurant, ordered all this stuff, and they were lovely to see you and just left. And I thought, oh, he must have, he must have nipped off to the toilet and paid the bill. I, mean, I was with one of our staff members, and we were like, oh, that's very clear. He did go to the toilet, I'm sure. So the boat, you know, he's cleared the bill. No, no. You know, I, I'm still in shock about this lunch. I was like, right, well, here's 800 quid. How much? 800? Oh, it was a fucking load of money. I can't remember what hilarious. it was. It was this is the key like, thing. If people are listening to the podcast who are not in the world of yeah. business, you need to watch out for lunchtime, lunch etiquette and yeah. who's who's taking who out. And that's a thing to learn. That's, yeah. That's a skill. It's normally, I mean, I think the etiquette is quite often who... I was going to use some Latin, but I'm not. Lose the Latin. Yeah, go on. No. Come on, we've Let's done the no dicks. Can we, what was can no we, can we hear again? the Latin and then the Come regular? On, carpe diem. Carpe no, quo bono. Oh, wow. Who quo benefits bono. from the lunch? Quo yes. bono, is that what quo bono means? But, you know, if you've just client, build a client 50 grand because you've sold their business. Yeah, then, then, and then take them out for lunch you, you and expect them to pay is, is, is probably yeah. not, a, not, not a great plan. If, if somebody emails you and says, which happens to me quite a lot, you know, can I pick your brains about something? Can we go out for lunch and I'll ask you some questions? They're fucking paying. Yeah, and it better be a good lunch, you know? And actually, I don't want it to take too long or be too far from my office. So, you know, let's talk. <laughs> and now, a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Hardest thing about your job. Who wants to take that one, Guy? I'll take this one. 
Um, we're employing another six or seven people now. And as we grow as a business, for me, it's really important to keep the culture that we've got, which is like incredibly flat management structure. Everyone just mucks in. Everyone gets involved in in different roles that perhaps on paper are not their remit because we are you know, effectively a startup in the UK. Yes, we're this £450 million market cap business from Norway, but in the UK, we're a startup and we all muck in and everybody likes spending time together and we go out and we have a good time. And I think people like coming to work because they like the people they work with. I I would go for a beer with any one of the people that we have on our team. And how long are they uh, seeing each other in person? I mean, the interesting thing about people working remotely is you do reduce politics because everyone's in their little boxes. No one's overhearing that. Yeah, but we talk so much. So we have a WhatsApp group, which is popping off like all the time. So my my phone's been buzzing while we've been here with our WhatsApp group. But the politics is reduced because you don't have the same oxygen. You have everybody in one WhatsApp group at the moment too, your one team. But we're not all in one office so that you can't have that sort of oxygen that sort of then promotes office politics. Yeah, maybe. But I don't think we would have that anyway. No, we talk so much, that's the thing. It just doesn't exist. I think we talk more than perhaps if we were sat in an office with, you know... Us in corner offices. Are and you sure? Else. Are you sure Rubbish. that your team doesn't have their own WhatsApp group where they're going? Do you know what, Guy and Darren? They have. They, they By the way, do. I'm telling you now, they have their own WhatsApp. Hey, fair group. play if they do. I'd back that all the way. Do you know? Here's the curious question: Is that okay? Imagine, imagine you've got to tell someone some serious fucking news, or you've got to really bollock someone, or really change their behaviour or something. The physicality is important. You know, you can lean forward and touch their shoulder just to illustrate the point. Like this isn't personal, but now I'm going to drop a bomb on you. But let me ask the question this way: Is that um, effectively, yeah, you're all communicating time, and that's all right, and maybe it's all going well at the moment, but. Without physical um, interaction, resentments do build. You can get resentment. It happens over time. And if you look at what's happened to society at the moment through COVID and everyone's been living in their little boxes, actually there's a lot of fucking resentment and, and mistrust going on and, you know, sort of us and them. And, you know, the people were furloughed who were doing nothing but getting paid and then people working like dogs. And so... I think at the moment, it sounds like a magical period. You know, it's a honeymoon period. It's very early on in the dating. We're barely a year in. You're on a mission. You're moving forward. Things are going good, you know. Um, but shit will happen. And I think I think it's interesting then how much you, you how often you have to bring these people physically together to re- literally remove that tension. You can be so angry with someone, walk into a room and see them physically. And this human thing happens when you're like, Oh no, I, I can't, you know, I don't want to hurt them. And we're definitely going to do more of that. I think what, what it comes down to is um, whether you're uh, f- uh, in a remote location or you're in a, in a corporate office or all those sorts of things, all teams go through different cycles. You know, there's the, there's the norming stage, forming, norming, storming, high-performing, all of that. Oh my God, I've never heard that before. Not, so oh, it's so, a classic It's a classic, code. classic. Yeah. So, you know... And all, forming, uh, so, so you form a team and then you go through a storming phase. No, no. First of all, first of all, you form. Forming is very, very sort of positive, but very disruptive. Not meant to getting done. Yeah. Everyone's getting to That's know right. each other. Yeah. Uh, norming everybody's getting used to each other and then you go through some period of conflict and then yeah exactly so norming is everyone pretends to like each other for a period of time I would say I'm going to call bullshit on this this is business about bullshit this seems like bullshit to me so so, but the end point is that you you then get to be in a high performing team yeah that's right in theory no one ever gets there apparently that's rubbish but I think the the thing about that kind of model is is the storming phase and so is this argument not Storming productivity. 
It depends how you look at it. You can say it's storming as in conflict, as in negative right. conflict. Um, and, you know, you go through that cycle and you've, you've all become best mates and then then you kind of go, actually, you're just a knobhead. Yeah. But actually what the, the trick of creating a high-performing team is intentionally going through that storming phase to say, how do you constructively create conflict in a team that, that promotes creativity and irons out all of the creases uh, and the faster you get through that so process... So is, that, is you know, that conflict competition or is it something else? I, I don't know what it is, but I, what's, to me, when I've done it in the past, is like, you know that you're going through this sort of phase of, of creating a good team and, 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 and you're gelling together well and you've got common objectives, common goals and all the rest of it. But to get to the next phase, you can either wait for everybody to fall out with each other which will happen eventually. Which will happen, and it happens. But but whatever happens, you know, when that happens, actually good comes out of it. Or you can actually create the conditions where that happens in a good way. For example, you can do lessons learned workshops, for example, and you go, this deal, it all went sour or it went really well, but what do we learn from that? What I would say, though, if you have a culture where everybody can question anybody else, exactly. you're in a good place. Exactly. And that, and that, and that we do have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we've, and we've had that recently, haven't yeah, we? Where we've had, we've had uh, because of the flat management structure, we've scrutinised the We've scrutinised the, the biggest deal in Zaptec history to the point that it might not be for us, right? That's where we've got to as a team. And that's because everybody has has put their ideas forward and we've discussed them openly and honestly. And in that process, though, there were, you could argument that there was a period of storming. Oh, 100%. There was, there was not conflict in, ne- in a negative way. No, but, but there difference were of different, opinion. difference yeah. of opinions. But we had the culture and, and the intention to, to give everybody a voice. Yes. Are you aware of the issues in this country with collaborative decision-making in management structures? The, 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 the problem is, you know, it's, uh, colloquially you could call it the room of the tea. British people are very inclusive in decision-making. We, we do like to make it decisions together. Um, so you end up, once companies grow and scale, now your interesting bit is you're, at, with respect, and I mean this with respect, you are a piece of a company. So the financial function, there's, you know, there's a whole, we're the tech team in Norway. You guys are here to fucking deliver so so in a way, you're you're a department of a company. So perhaps perhaps it's less of an issue. But what happens if you take it up a level and you've got CEO, CFO, head of marketing? Is you have collective decision making and the CFO is making marketing decisions? What do you think about the design? Oh, well, I don't like it. My wife says it looks like the curtains. Oh, right, we better change it. And then the, the marketing that felt decisions. Oddly personal. Yeah, the marketing's making finance decisions, and then British companies become terribly inefficient and they get stuck. And then what happens is they start to get a bit fucked, and private equity turns up and says, right, get rid of him, get rid of him. In America, they would have the CEO, everyone reports to the CEO, CEO has the vision and the thing. So I think it's, it's. I think on an international basis, and you know, a lot of our clients are, I think it's a fascinating thing to study because you, from the perspective of what you're building, you can actually build a flat, collaborative, hierarchical structure. You're all on the same team. You're all going in the same direction, you know. Yeah, and our culture is very different to some of the other countries. What I'd say is, in answer to kind of your original question, the buck stops with me. Like, if I, it's not, this is not essentially a democracy. If I want to make a decision, I will. It's not even an oligarchy. Drop, drop that on the WhatsApp. Button. Right. Just, just, no, but they yeah, know yeah, it. Yeah, but at the you same time. Someone needs to, it's the, um, but at the same time, dictator. at the someone same time, I've employed a group of people who essentially, in what they do, are more intelligent than I am. And I'd be stupid not to listen to their opinions, right? What are you most excited about for your business going forward? Growth, new people, lots of new people. New people, new ideas is great. I mean, people are kind of the core of what 
we're doing. And uh, of course, yeah, getting some. I love recruiting. I love I love the whole thing about it. I love like meeting the new talking you know, to them all. Yeah, talking to them. And I and think you should have been a recruitment consultant. Do you not feel bad about letting them down when you don't hire them? No, because it's for the right reasons. Like, I feel like it's a, such a candidate market at the moment. I say this in all all my interviews. I always say it's about like, it's like dating. It's like, are you the one for me? Uh, uh, you know, are we the one for you? It's, just, it's the same thing. It should be a 50-50 decision. So many like people take the view that recruitment is like a business decides who they want. That's rubbish. It's a candidate decides where they want to go as much as it is that. And I really like that. And so every time we recruit somebody, it feels like a really nice mutual decision. Yeah, you have to sell yourselves to talent anyway. You of know. course, you've got to sell yourself, especially now. If you could change anything in the world, um, what would you like to change in the world? You both, you both get a pop at that. I'm going to be really specific, UK specific. I'm going to make it easy. Politics that works. Oh, Fuck off, that's never happening. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait, no, wait, no, define, no, 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 I'm, I'm being serious, like, in, in all seriousness, what you Everyone have. should vote, what do you mean? I seriously, I keep thinking. It needs thinking. to certainly be more engaging, absolutely, but the problem is, right, especially if you're talking about things like climate change and some of these, like, generational huge problems that we're facing. In fact, it's not even generational, it's probably the next 10 to 15 years. What you need is strong leadership which is going to drive us how do we get strong leaders well actually probably a four-year fickle cycle in which you have to win votes is probably not the system and i'm not saying that i advocate anything else but what i am saying is there is clearly an issue you want a totalitarian regime i want a benevolent dictatorship essentially no you want an oligarchy what you want is an oligarchy but the problem is it's like sinsonatus and his plow right just let's pretend we know what she's meaning. Sinatus no, and his plow. but Sinatus had to be dragged from his plow to come and act as the leader of Rome. Right. Because he didn't want to do it. And that's the problem. And he was it's great the people it, was he? That we, Yeah. The people we want to lead our society and not the people that put their hands up to be pigs in the trough and run the society. Let's take your interval idea. I mean, I, the trouble with the, okay, the four-year thing, then we're too short-term, and the long thing, they could be awful. I think we need like the X-factor button system that basically, if they get 80% of the votes... No, I think them. it's much more simple. You need bravery of leadership. That's what you need. You need people who are brave enough to be unpopular because actually the right thing is not always the popular thing. I would argue, and to if be you, honest, to do any change, change isn't popular. No, of course. And if, if you want to move to a real society that's going to be sustainable and clean and provide a proper future for my kids, you've got to be willing to sometimes make the unpopular decisions. Yeah, but the first step... And how do we get there? Proportional representation, man. That's maybe. the first step. Maybe the, that's genuinely the first step. Right. How does that solve the fact that you're going to put forward something that none of nobody, the, the general because public, don't want to vote for? Because once you have at the moment, right, if the Labour Party, for example, want to get a majority, they have to have a 12-point lead in the polls. If the Conservative Party want to get a majority, they have to have like a 2 But wait, that's got nothing to do with this point. No, but the point is that at the moment we're stuck in a cycle where we keep... It's very easy for the governing party to keep getting voted in, even though the majority of the country don't want them. Why? What? This is the fact that London is is uh, more people than some other areas of England, and and, and because and, we've and, got a historic. And, but hang on, London's not represented. No, London's not even that connected to the country anymore. If you were sitting in the country, you know, you don't connect very well with the London views, which is very, very woke and left wing. You know, frankly, it's all irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. When half of East Anglia. And Cornwall is underwater. 
we ain't going to care about Tory care. and Labour. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, 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 the the curious thing is how do you how are you able to make unpopular decisions? And if you look back at leaders who've actually ever done anything, whether you like them or not. Thatcher was very fucking unpopular. You know, she did some awful things. People hate her. Probably all of you hate her. I don't know. It's not a lot of people I hate her. I definitely hate her. You hate her. <laughs> I know you do. But she did unpopular things and she did, I think You're everyone agrees, change. You're too young to experience, have experienced her properly. Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not getting into whether I like her or don't like her or whether she was good or bad. She changed shit and people didn't like it. And, and you know, I don't think anyone argues but that even doesn't really work because you could say, you totally say that Boris changes shit and he absolutely does. It's just unfortunately that it's all for the worse. I'm not sure she's changed society. I think I don't. I don't think on the level that level. Anyway, neither of those things. So basically, sort out the entire political system. No, uh, not the democracy. political system. It's bravery. Well, it's, honestly, right, we'll have you on regularly. You, you know, we're going to take a while, lads. It's br- bravery of leadership. That's what it comes down to. Best piece of advice you've ever been given. Uh, oh, uh, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to give a nod to my uh, learned colleague, Guy. Did it come from Guy? Yeah, it did actually. Wow. Your uh, answer's not the same, is it? Or we no. don't know what it is yet. It might no, a good advice that my good friend Guy has given me is just make more money. And it's like, <laughs> like like life is pretty complex for me yeah. right now. So and and it is it is right. It's just make more money. And and so you work know, your it, way out of it. Work your way out of it. You you've got a cost base. You can't do too much about whatever your costs are, whether it's a business thing or a personal thing. But what you can do is work your way out of it. Hilarious advice from your boss. Just earn all money. And then you were like, right, can we have a meeting? Yeah. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can I have some more money? No, I mean, no you can't, on, you bastard. No, that wasn't on the cards. But the other good piece of advice I've had is um, from my ex-boss, who is the chief exec of E.ON, Mike Lewis, who I don't mind giving a nod to, who's always said about the power of an option. And, uh, you know, whether it's an option in terms of, you know, candidates and when you're recruiting or a business that you're starting or a deal and, you know, kind of different options there. If you've got options, you've got power to choose and you're in control, right? You know, and and you can make the right decision that's right for you or the company. The problem is when you've, you're absolutely fucked and you've you got no options. don't have any options. Whether that's financially or to do with people or to do with policies or whatever it is. The power of the option is, is like probably... The, give yourself options. Give yourself options Guy, and just make yours? more money. See, we were talking about this earlier and I don't know what the best piece of advice I've ever been given because I kind of, I didn't really grow up with a father figure because of illness and stuff, so I didn't get anything there. And then through business, I've kind of just worked. So it's not like I've had a mentor or anything. Work hard. But what I would say is one thing that really stuck with me and how I've always been is just say yes and then work out how to do it. So when I was growing a business... Like there was a time where it was just me and my wife and a couple of teachers and we landed this contract, which meant we'd need to be doing, you know, we'd probably need double or more the teachers that we had. I just sat in that meeting and went, yep, yep, yep. And then I went home and figured out how to do it. And of course we won the business and we made it work. And now let's give you um, two each. You can pick your two favourite books, records, podcasts. Is it only two? Well, it's three three each, but I'm restricting you down. Why is it particularly important? I've written down because I've got loads of podcasts. Uh, I'll kick off with a book, uh, Utopia for Realists, uh, which is um, a really interesting book about 
lots of different things. But for example, how do you measure um, a society by its success? Is it GDP or is it by happiness? Who, who's it by? Um, I, I can't remember his name. Ralph, I think. Um, Lauren. Oh. Ralph Lauren. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> looking up. Utopia not, for real. Is there another Ralph um, that's ever existed? It's been looked up. It is by Rutger Bregman. Yes. Ralph. Ralph. Right, I'm going to give you a book first. Yeah, you don't get you don't get three of each. We'll be no, I've got loads. I'm going to go really quick. Right, uh, favorite book: Do slash Purpose. So oh my god, there are so many do books. Yeah, there's lots of do books. Head. It's a series. Do Purpose by David Hyatt. H I E A T T. Right, he's a guy who lives in Wales. I bought this book because I thought it looked cool. I devoured it. There's too many vowels in his it's, name. It, there's a lot of vowels. Yeah, I thought that I had to look it up. Right, but it's a book about like why do you exist as business? What do you want to do? Why do people want to work for you? It's great. Right, Con- contains such <laughs> pearls of wisdom as no arseholes rule. Do you know what I mean? Like really important stuff. <laughs> Great book, do purpose. It's only little, buy it. Next thing, lots of pods for me. Atletico Mints, uh, Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, the off-menu podcast, lots of food stuff, and the socially distant sports bar, and anything history. So that brings us to the favourite part of the show. Uh, you ready? This is the business versus bullshit quick far round. D, cue the music, please. This is where we're going to reel off terms and you have to tell us whether you think these terms are business or bullshit. You can also have biz shit, which is no, a No, shit biz, someone said the biz other day. Shit. No, biz shit, shit, shit is better. Oh, I quite like shit. No, that's a get out. Don't do that. Um, so, Guy, Darren, are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. Who's answering? Uh, Whichever you of you goes first. Uh, whoever goes first is the answer, so you better do some eye contact if you're disagreeing with it, you know? I think we're pretty. This going to work. We're back into Top Gun with the eye contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eye contact, please. One of you gives the answer, <laughs> and the first one to say something is the answer you have to stick with, okay? Okay. Diversity quotas. Business. Business. Stand-up yes. meetings. Mm, bullshit. bullshit. Caffeine. Business. <laughs> agendas, meeting agendas. Mm, business. Business. They're good at this, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Hour long meetings. Bullshit. <laughs> Office dogs. Bullshit. Yes! <laughs> oh, wait, who said bullshit? Who said first? Uh, we say in time. Yeah. I'm saying we'll business. Check, dogs we'll dogs are great. They reduce stress. There's lots of survey, like, Mine studies that show that. Mine was here, but I just. You know, I Carbon credits. Bullshit system. Swearing in meetings. Business. Business. Pub lunches. Business. Business. (laughs) Nice. B-corps. Business. NDAs. Bullshit. Bullshit. Fuck off the both of you. (laughs) Uh, Unlimited holiday. Business. Mm, Yeah, business. That's that's cool. I noticed you spoke before the boss there. That was interesting. Well, it's again, I think it's a Branson thing. Yeah, but like who... Just do your job, man. Who cares? LinkedIn. Business. Formal workflows. What? Formal Formal workflows. Bullshit. Bullshit. You are. You actually. We all have shirts on though. Formal workflows. I've got shirts. Oh well. Yeah, that's only because I look good in shirts. Normally, we have Zaptec hoodies and t-shirts, don't we? We've got dressed up. Yeah, it's it's. um, You showed an impressive bicep. Excellent. There we go. That's the end of the quick fire round. You've got 1,276 points. Thank you very much. 
Okay, so this is where we give you 30 seconds to pitch your company, podcast, book, whatever you like. Off you go, Guy. 30 seconds. Um, Zaptec, we make electric vehicle chargers. We are from Norway. We are new to the UK and we make a really quality product that you're going to enjoy because we make life easier. Get an electric car, give them a call. Lovely. So, Guy, Darren, if our listeners want to find out more about you online, where do they go? Uh, that would be zaptec.com, Z-A-P-T-E-C.com. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Guy and Darren for joining us. Thank you to my co-host, Pippa, for insulting me on in an extremely large level. <laughs> thank you to you, dear listener. And we'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until next time, it's ciao. Ciao.